0: a mask when you can uh, you know you're within risk.
1: We're admitting a lot of kids three times more than we saw in previous years even before COVID. The recommendations and the warnings as a post pandemic surge of respiratory cases in kids puts hospitals and families on the back foot. Good evening. Flu season has arrived early in Ontario and politicians and medical professionals alike are making the same ask of people across the province.
2: Mask up, especially for children and teens. CTV's Janice Golding kicks off our coverage with our top story tonight.
3: Some doctors in our province are sounding the alarm, saying hospitals are being overwhelmed by a surge of children with respiratory infections.
4: We're admitting a lot of kids, three times more than we saw in previous years, even before covid So it's turning into a real crisis. There's a huge capacity issue. All of the pediatric beds are full in the city, and sick kids is also
3: overwhelmed. And they're asking for a resumption of mask-wearing in crowded indoor spaces, including schools, to reduce viral spread.
5: The overwhelming majority of those children are coming to care because they're having difficulties breathing or having fever or having challenges because of viral respiratory infections. I've never seen it like this before, and I'm really worried.
3: Mask mandates were dropped in Toronto schools last March. And while parents debated the pros and cons of bringing back masking today, many said there are other issues at play. People are left with no choice but to go to a hospital because they have
6: nowhere else to take their children to be seen because doctors are not seeing kids. Children
5: can't get children's Advil and Tylenol. So my daughter had a fever and I was asking friends for Tylenol. So if someone
3: can't find it, yeah, they're going to end up in a hospital. Dr. Alan Grill says masking at this time just makes
2: sense, but not just in schools. It's a way for people... To sort of pitch in you know it it not only will help decrease transmission but we're at a point now where we're talking about delaying more surgeries for people which is the last thing that we want to do
3: Dr. Grill says masking isn't something he'd like to see in place forever but young children have not been exposed to many of these viruses over the last two years due to COVID-19 safety protocols and their immune systems have been impacted creating a perfect storm. A poll of more than a thousand people conducted for CTV News found seven out of ten Canadians supported masking to some extent. Fifty-two percent supported the return of mask mandates. Seventeen percent somewhat supported masking. Eight percent were somewhat opposed to masking, while twenty-two percent were completely against mask mandates. Of note, more women than men supported masking, and overall, nearly eighty-three percent of people over the age of fifty-five were in favor. With the least support coming from those aged eighteen to thirty-four. At this point, the Ontario Ministry of Health is not committing to reintroducing mask mandates, oh saying God. vaccines for the flu and COVID-19 are the best tools to keep people healthy and out of hospitals. Janice Golding, CTV News.
2: CTV News did reach out to health departments in the GTA. Toronto, York, Peel and Durham all say they will defer to provincial direction regarding masks. While well, our
1: political leaders are stopping short of declaring a full mandate, top doctors are warning of a challenging winter ahead. Our health reporter, Pauline Chan, joins us now to explain. Pauline.
7: Well, they're calling it the triple threat, and that is influenza, COVID, and respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. And some Ontario hospitals right now are hitting record numbers in their ERs. Dr. Rose Zachariah says this is just the start of flu season. At this point we've already counted over 1,500 cases of the flu and that compares to this time last year we had about seven. And children are being hit particularly hard says Dr. Rod Lim
8: of the Children's Hospital in London. Our emerge is only built for about 100 visits uh, per day uh, and uh, two days ago we saw
9: 200. 55% of cases of the flu have occurred in those 0 to 19 years of age so the broad spectrum of children.
7: During a virtual meeting of the Ontario Medical Association, experts discussed the current surge in respiratory illness, a combination of influenza, COVID-19 and RSV, and the impact it's having on Ontario's hospitals. Kids haven't been exposed to some of the same viruses as they have because we were masking and we had the public health restrictions in place. The OMA says we may have to return to mask mandates in schools, on transit and other crowded or poorly ventilated areas. We need to be prepared to pivot for a possible mask mandate. And while flu vaccine uptake was strong last year, Dr. Vanita Dubé fears vaccine fatigue may have set in this year. Still, she says it's not too late to get your shot, especially for young children.
10: Younger
9: children, children zero to five years of age, can be at very high risk for getting very
11: sick from influenza.
7: But with all the alarm about crowded ERs, Dr. Howard Oven says people needing urgent care, those with chest pains, trouble breathing, vomiting or dizziness, should not hesitate to come to hospital. If you're not sure, most Ontario residents do have a family doctor they can check with.
12: If that doesn't work or you don't have a family doctor, we have an excellent service in Ontario called Health Connect.
7: It has information to help you decide where to seek treatment. And one comment repeatedly heard during the OME meeting was a plea for patience and kindness toward ER staff. Two of the panelists had worked until midnight in emergency last night and they were back at work at 9 this morning, something they say is not unusual. I'm Pauline Chan. Nathan and Michelle?
2: Thank you, Pauline. As respiratory cases increase, so too do worries about our province's health care system. And new data suggests ERs have hit a breaking point. The numbers from Health Quality Ontario reveal patients spent an average of 21 hours waiting to be admitted to emergency rooms in September. That's up from 20.7 hours from the previous month and 20.8 hours in July. Of those patients, the data shows only about 23% were admitted within the provincial target time of eight hours. The report also shows the average length of stay in emergency rooms was a whopping 44 hours. For the full details on this story and what you need to know if you need to visit the ER, just head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. There is
1: some movement for GoBus passengers idled by this week's strike.
2: Last night, we broke the news that Metrolinks and the union for the workers were heading back to the bargaining table Friday, and now there is renewed optimism. Here's our Austin Delaney once again with the update. Austin.
4: Well, Michelle, last night when news broke that the two sides were going to resume negotiations, everyone was happy there's possibly an end to this strike in sight. But by morning, people were starting to question, why wait till Friday, the union and commuters alike? It is day three of the strike by Go Transit bus drivers, day three of commuters having to find alternative ways to ride.
13: It's inconvenient for sure. It's making us take like more complicated routes and wasting a lot of time.
4: Yesterday, the amalgamated transit union and Metrolinx agreed to go back to the table. But Metrolinx initially set Friday as the day to resume mediation. The union asked why not today?
13: We think this is a delay tactic
1: on behalf of the employer. But the casualties of that delay are the riders who move across this province every day.
14: And we want to ensure that our riders get the service they deserve
1: and we're prepared to go back to the bargaining table immediately.
4: GO Bus riders tell us the two sides should get back at it right away. Yeah, another two days of this, it's not, it's not fun to tell you that.
14: No, I don't think so. that's a good idea. Please get on back soon and then we can
13: resolve something, yeah. It's a little irritating with my schedule.
4: The union held a news conference today accusing Metrolinx of seeking revenge, prolonging the strike unnecessarily.
15: Why would a government agency do this? Well my theory is that they want to punish ATU members financially for going out on strike. There's no other reason
1: why we didn't meet Monday and why we didn't end. STRIKE THAT SHOULD HAVE NEVER HAPPENED.
4: FOLLOWING THE NEWS CONFERENCE, MetroLink's AGREED TO BEGIN BARGAINING TOMORROW AFTERNOON. The MetroLink SAYS IT NEEDED THE EXTRA TIME TO REVIEW PROPOSALS THE UNION HAD GIVEN IT JUST BEFORE TALKS BROKE DOWN ON SUNDAY. REPORTING LIVE, I'M AUSTIN DELANEY.
1: THANK YOU, AUSTIN. A 51 COUNTRY TOUR COMES TO AN END FOR THE PLANET'S MOST COVETED TROPHY. AND ITS LAST STOP IS RIGHT HERE AT HOME. STILL AHEAD, SOCCER'S WORLD CUP GETS A TOUR OF TORONTO. We'll have that story for you in just a few minutes.
2: The province is also trying to steer its way through avoiding another widespread walkout by QP.
1: The two sides are at the bargaining table for a deal that would keep kids in classroom seats, but there are signs what's on the table now is not sitting well with education workers. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has the details. Siobhan.
9: for months, CUPE's been talking about wanting to lift up the lowest paid education workers. 39,000 is not enough has been a tagline for the union. But there are signs that the union doesn't seem to want to single out this group in a new contract. Inside a downtown hotel, a second full day of mediated talks between the government and CUPE. On the table, what the premier has called an improved offer, at least for one contingent of educational support staff.
0: We're going to focus on the uh, low-paid workers. That's our goal. That's what we're hearing out there. You have to differentiate between someone that's making roughly about $40,000 a year versus someone that's making $100,000 a year.
9: QP leaders say they won't accept a two-tier wage increase. They want an across-the-board raise for 55,000 members. Nice the move to rescind a bill that imposed a contract, including a split pay hike, is still days away.
0: We said we'd do it as soon as possible and uh, we're going to get it done.
9: But not until Monday afternoon. The opposition says the government should call MPPs back sooner as an act of good faith for bargaining.
15: They pulled the legislature back three times before on very short notice to get things through that were important to the premier. Well, this is important to children and families, education workers across the province.
9: Even with plans to pull it back, the premier is defending using the charter's notwithstanding clause to try and keep CUPE workers off picket lines.
0: But do you know what's even worse than Section 33? Is threatening to go on strike, shut down the economy of Ontario, Keep parents at home, keep these kids at, at home. That's so much more dangerous than Section 33.
9: Tabins maintains there were alternatives.
15: He could have made a decent offer. We could have settled this a month ago, frankly, if he'd been willing to be honest and fair with the people who look after our children.
9: Rather than reaching for what he calls the nuclear option. In the last 15 minutes, QP central bargaining team has said that they will be limiting their comments about how things are going to respect the mediation process, and they're inviting the premier to do the same. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you.
1: All right. Thank you, Siobhan. And here's a live look at the city tonight. A cool down is on the way soon, but not before this warm stretch gets another day in the sun. Lindsay Morrison here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay.
6: Well, Nathan, we have been enjoying quite a stretch of sunny weather and we've got one more spectacular day on tap for tomorrow. It's also very mild as we make our way through the night tonight, especially for the West GTA, southwestern Ontario. It's more than 10 degrees warmer right now in Meaford compared to the Kawarthas, for example. Winds are coming from the south and that's going to assist with our dramatic warm-up for tomorrow. Not much happening on the satellite and radar. A couple of rain showers impacting the Bruce Peninsula and perhaps into Muskoka but we will be clear through the overnight hours tonight here in Toronto. Forecast low, 10 degrees. Coming up, we'll take you through tomorrow's forecast and then show you the big change that's on the way. That's ahead. Nathan, for now, over to you.
1: All right, thank you, Lindsay. Ontario's green belt has been safe from development for nearly two decades, but soon, thanks to a four government initiative, The protected area could be the site of bulldozers and new homes.
2: While the province insists it is being responsible with its plans, critics call it a cash grab that will hurt communities. CTV's Raheem Ladani reports.
13: The community absolutely loves their Greenbelt land.
8: This parcel of land in Vaughan is part of Ontario's Greenbelt. But if the province gets its way, it will soon look similar to just down the road. Another housing development.
13: You keep stripping away, you keep stealing away our greenbelt lands and giving it elsewhere. Well, at one point, we're going to have nothing left here.
8: The Ford government wants to remove 15 different plots of land from the greenbelt, which the premier reiterated this week is necessary to deal with the housing crisis.
0: Where are we going to put 300,000 people a year?
8: However, critics say the move is one-sided. Only reason to target these chunks of land is to benefit the particular people who own that land. There is no valid public interest justification for doing this. If the government's proposal is approved, developers who own the land will have to show a detailed plan for housing development to begin no later than the year 2025. I'm sure that our members who own the lands are going to be very motivated to build homes on these lands. The Ontario Home Builders Association says these plots are prime for development. This isn't the luscious kind of green space that we associate with the Greenbelt. These are lands that have been slated for development before the Greenbelt came in. They're lands that are, you know, in some cases already serviced for development. There's pipes in the ground to run water. Um, They're in close proximity to existing neighbourhoods and some of them are within the urban boundary. However, environmentalists feel this would pave the way for further development in the future. You're also creating incentives for people to actually destroy their woodlands and wetlands elsewhere. Because they want to reduce the justifications for keeping it off limits for development. It's a very dangerous thing. In exchange, the province has proposed adding 9,400 acres in different areas.
13: Oh, we're replacing it somewhere out two hours away from here. How does that benefit my community?
8: The province will complete its consultation by early December. Raheem Ladani, CTV News.
2: The Toronto Police Holdup Squad is trying to identify two suspects in connection with a recent robbery in the city's West End. On Tuesday, October 25th, a man and a woman are accused of concealing items in a store at St. Clair West and Runnymede before trying to walk out. The man allegedly swung an axe at employees who confronted him and caused minor injuries to one. Both suspects fled on foot. If you recognize them, you're asked to contact investigators.
1: Meanwhile, well, Toronto police say a suspect's in custody after a murder on the weekend. On Sunday night, 41-year-old Junior Douglas, seen here, was stabbed near Jane and Finch. He was rushed to hospital but didn't survive. Now, detectives say 41-year-old Ramon Camus of Toronto has been arrested and charged with second-degree murder. He was scheduled to appear in court today.
2: Toronto police have released a sketch of a suspect wanted in connection with a sexual assault. On Sunday, a woman reported she was asleep at her home near College in Ossington when a man broke in and sexually assaulted her. Investigators have now released this sketch in the hopes someone might recognize the suspect. He's described as having a slim build, a beard, and is balding.
1: Today marks the night of the broken glass, when Nazi leaders started a wave of violence against Germany's Jewish population, BEFORE THE SECOND WORLD WAR.
2: THOSE ACTIONS ARE REMINDER OF THE HORRORS OF THE HOLOCAUST AND PART OF A NEW CURRICULUM IN ONTARIO SCHOOLS. HERE'S ALLISON HURST TO EXPLAIN.
5: In the hallways and on the playground, Ontario schools are seeing an increase in anti-Semitic hate.
2: In the last school year, there was an
8: average of more than two anti-Semitic incidents per week in the GTA.
5: To fight back, the province announced an updated curriculum for grade 6 students.
8: Our government is introducing mandatory Holocaust education for the first time in elementary schools. Teaching
5: it earlier than in grade 10 history class.
8: Addressing these themes earlier on will help to prevent kids from getting sucked into a lot of these, the hateful content that's swirling around online, it'll prevent the kind of bullying that
14: we've seen taking place in the schoolyard and in the classroom.
5: The news is welcomed by Holocaust survivor Nate Leipziger.
15: I was liberated when I was 17 from a concentration camp after I went, uh, I was induced into Auschwitz at the age of 15.
5: He says it's important to make sure the next generation doesn't forget.
15: I survived the greatest uh, tragedy and greatest uh, inhumanity to men. And uh, I think we have to tell that story. The
5: announcement comes at a critical time when anti-Semitism is on the rise. Toronto police announced last year hate crimes rose in the city from the previous year, with the Jewish community being targeted the most and some of the world's biggest stars are crossing the line. NBA point guard Kyrie Irving was suspended five games for tweeting a link to an anti-Semitic film, and Kanye West is losing billions of dollars and business partnerships for anti-Semitic remarks.
7: Holocaust education is one of our strongest tools in countering anti-Semitism and all forms of hate.
5: National groups hope the idea will spread across the
16: country. I think that other provinces can learn From the leadership of the province of Ontario and Minister Lecce, they should be challenged to begin Holocaust
1: education in their own schools.
5: The program will start next school year. Alison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto.
1: One Ontario's family's annual honour to remember a loved one lost in battle. The story of the tributes for a fallen trooper coming up a little later this hour.
2: The city is warning people about fake posters with incorrect parking rules that have popped up on Bloor Street. The area's BIA shared this photo online. The posters are made to look like official signs from the city and say certain groups of drivers like parents, delivery and utility services are allowed to park in bike lanes.
1: The Emergencies Act inquiry heard from a top official in the Ontario government today. Deputy Solicitor General Mario de Tommaso. Now, he says he believed Ottawa police were prepared for the arrival of large crowds of convoy protesters. They have plenty of experience with regards to protests on a regular basis.
14: Uh, I knew that Commissioner Karik was, was in regular contact with Chief Slowly. And I knew that
1: the OPP commissioner was providing resources to mitigate any possible risks. De Tommaso said he got more concerned as protesters set up for a longer stay in downtown Ottawa. Testimony was cut short after commission lawyer Gabriel Poliquin collapsed. No details were released on his condition. The commission also spoke with an official from Ontario's Transport Ministry and the mayor of Coutts, Alberta, the site of a convoy-related blockade.
2: Control of U.S. Congress is up for grabs tonight as states keep tallying votes from yesterday's midterm elections.
1: President Joe Biden's agenda hangs in the balance with some tight races still not decided. CTV's Joy Bal- Malbin has more from Washington.
10: Plenty of wins, but control of Congress still too close to call. While it looks like Republicans will hold the House, the so-called red wave just didn't happen. Democrats defying history, doing better than anticipated in some tight races.
4: With their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we
0: are.
10: Pennsylvania voters elected Democrat John Fetterman still recovering from a stroke.
0: I'll be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania.
10: Headed to the Senate after defeating celebrity Dr. Mehmet Oz, who was endorsed by Donald Trump. <laughs> Another Trump pick, J.D. Vance, author of Hillbilly Elegy, won his Senate race in Ohio, thanking just about everyone except Trump.
12: I will never forget where I came from, and I will never forget the great people of Ohio.
10: The fight for the U.S. Senate hinges on key states, Nevada and Arizona, where ballots are still being counted, but it could all come down to Georgia.
0: Keep the faith and keep looking up.
10: Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and trump back challenger NFL star Herschel Walker will face a runoff election right next month. I'm like Ricky Bobby. I don't come to lose. POISED TO TAKE ANOTHER PRESIDENTIAL RUN, TRUMP HOPED TO TAKE A VICTORY LAP, BUT MOST OF HIS CANDIDATES, MANY OF THEM ELECTION DENIERS, LOST OR ARE FARING BADLY.
1: THE REPUBLICAN PARTY NEEDS TO DO A REALLY DEEP INTROSPECTION LOOK IN THE MIRROR RIGHT NOW BECAUSE THIS IS, this is AN ABSOLUTE DISASTER.
10: Chanting two more years, many Republicans looking to Governor Ron DeSantis as a presidential contender after his crushing win in Florida.
8: We not only won election, we have rewritten the political map.
10: Americans sending a message the economy was important, but they also cared about abortion rights and democracy. All the results won't be known for days or even longer. Joy Melvin, CTV News,
2: Washington. Overseas Russia made a surprise announcement today that it's withdrawing troops from the Ukrainian city of
0: Kyrgyzstan.
2: Russia's commander in Ukraine reported the plans in a meeting with the Kremlin's defense minister. Moscow has been urging civilians to leave the area for weeks now as Ukraine's counteroffensive advances. Ukraine says Russian troops are still in the area and bringing in reinforcements.
1: The man's been arrested for throwing eggs at King Charles. The crowd of well-wishers shouted at the man as Charles mostly ignored the incident. The King and Queen Camilla were in York for the unveiling of a statue of Queen Elizabeth II.
2: A cargo craft docked with the International Space Station today. The spacecraft transported 3,700 kilograms of experiments and supplies. The docking took place at 5.20 a.m. as the ISS flew over the Indian Ocean. Space station astronauts used the Canadarm2 to latch onto the vehicle and drag it to the docking port.
1: The Raptors are in action tonight hosting the Rockets
4: coloco great extra pass by trent jr og and
1: one count it toronto's looking to bounce back from a loss in chicago monday sitting at six and five for the season the team faces a tough stretch with five games in the next seven nights houston sits last in the western conference tip off is at 7 30 also tonight, soccer royalties in town.
2: The most coveted prize in the sport is making an appearance in Toronto, all in the lead-up to the World Cup this month in Qatar. Our royalty, Andrew Brennan, has been following the trophy today and joins us live. Andrew.
14: Well, Michelle, I can say that I don't normally get a private jet escort, but that being said, speaking to the fans that I have to today, it's easy to see why this experience is so solid gold.
4: it up!
14: Canada has never been so close to the World Cup. The 18-karat gold trophy touched down at Pearson Airport with football legends in tow. At BMO Field, fans lined up through the afternoon to get up and close with golden glory.
17: I mean, the closest I have is making a, a replica at home, you know, just a like cardboard paper, so this is the real deal.
14: Others dreaming of Qatar. Most definitely, if you guys could like, help me
8: but that, then, sure. And I wanted to share with my kids.
14: Alex Halkia says he wanted to make memories with his family now ahead of Toronto's turn on the world stage.
8: My plan is 2026 when it gets over here, get an RV and go from city to city
14: watching games. For some, today was itself a pilgrimage.
9: When I say I live and die by it, I live and die by it and I'm so excited for 2026.
14: John Tory says Toronto is ready to host but the premier isn't ready to sign over a blank check
0: every day this cost keeps going up and up and up and i'm a big soccer fan Uh, i love soccer but let's let's take a look at it we'll we'll look at the finances and and hopefully we'll be able to come up with an answer sooner than later
14: the cost estimate for toronto to host has risen to 300 million dollars roughly 60 million per game here Tory says the returns are worth the investment.
16: They've expressed what I would call due diligence, you know, which is there everybody's going to do their homework and make sure that the amounts of money that are involved
14: are responsibly invested. Let's remember the money that's going to be spent is going to be spent here. We're not sending it out of the country. And while Canada looks to capture the world's attention in Qatar, the disgraced former leader of FIFA now says it was a mistake to ever award the tournament to the country, which has been marred by allegations of corruption and human rights violations.
8: Yes, it's a strong figure making a very bold, strong statement. But you know, I think there's so much bigger things happening, so much more positive things happening. And, you know, for me, I just, i I'd rather not even give that any energy. Um, I'm happy to see Canada do well.
14: A feeling Dwayne de Rosario shares with one of the best midfielders to put on cleats in the 21st century. This group already made the history. My opinion, is Canada will, will pass through the, the group stage. And a country hopes beyond. But no matter what, the next time it will be on home turf, a glory ALL ITS OWN AND BEFORE WE GET TO 2026, WE STILL HAVE TO GET THROUGH 2022 AND IN TWO WEEKS FROM TODAY, CANADA WILL BE TAKING ON BELGIUM IN ITS FIRST WORLD CUP APPEARANCE IN 36 YEARS. REPORTING LIVE, I'M ANDREW BRENNAN, MICHELLE, WE'LL SEND IT BACK TO you. YOU.
2: VERY EXCITING, THANK YOU, ANDREW. Coming up, a world first in fetal therapy. A Canadian toddler treated in the womb for a genetic disease born free of the deadly symptoms.
12: And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, auto theft is still a major problem, which is why having car insurance is so important. One family had their truck stolen out of their driveway, but their insurance company is refusing to pay because the truck was used for business purposes. All of that story, just ahead.
6: We're not looking at record warmth like last weekend, but tomorrow is going to be another very mild day. 17 for the high in Toronto. If that's the kind of weather you like, enjoy, because it's going to be feeling a lot more like November in the long-range forecast. That and details on Tropical Storm Nicole coming up in your forecast. And stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
2: Auto theft is a huge problem in the GTA, and many thieves are targeting pickup trucks and stealing them overnight from residential driveways.
1: One family recently had their truck stolen, and even though they had insurance, their claim so far has been denied. Pat Forn explains on Consumer Alert. Pat.
12: Nathan and Michelle, when you take out car insurance, you'll be asked if you're using your vehicle for business purposes. A Mississauga roofer says after his truck was stolen, his case was put on hold after he said he did use the truck for work. DEMIR Pogatch OF MISSISSAUGA IS IN THE ROOFING BUSINESS AND HE'S CURRENTLY RENTING THIS PICKUP TRUCK AFTER HIS WAS STOLEN. TWO MONTHS AGO THIEVES CAME IN THE MIDDLE OF THE NIGHT AND TOOK IT OUT OF HIS DRIVEWAY. THE SECURITY ALARM WENT OFF AND IT WAS A FRIGHTENING TIME FOR HIS FAMILY.
13: I FEEL SAD AND EVEN SCARED. So I don't know if they're going to come in the house.
12: The truck that was stolen was a 2020 Ford F-150. It contained some roofing tools and Pogacic told his insurance company he did use the truck to drive to customers' homes to give quotes for roofing jobs.
13: I just do the sales on the roofing business and I'm just going to give the price and that's it.
12: When his insurance company found that out, they stopped paying for the rental and his case was put under review. His wife, Alanka, says their policy does say vehicle used for business or business and pleasure. They still owe almost $30,000 on the truck and want the insurance company to pay up.
5: We had a full coverage on the vehicle. It wasn't stolen on the construction site. It was stolen off of our property.
12: If you use your car for business purposes and don't tell your insurance company, your claim could be denied if you get it in an accident or your vehicle is stolen. Bobogacic is with Aviva Canada and the company said it's still working on his case and can't discuss details for privacy reasons. A spokesperson did say insurance coverage for private vehicles are different than insurance coverage for commercial vehicles. It's important for customers to let their insurance advisors know how they are using their vehicles to ensure they have the correct coverage needed to be protected. The family says they thought they had the right coverage, they still have to make payments for the rental, their insurance and loan payments on the truck. They hope their case will be settled soon.
13: I'm the only guy that is uh, making the money for this family. I have uh, two small kids. I want to solve this problem as soon as possible and uh, to just continue the life.
12: And many drivers also use their vehicles to make deliveries or for ride-sharing platforms. You should check to see if you need additional insurance because if you do and you get in an accident, there's a chance you won't be covered. On your side, I'm Pat Foran.
14: If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert@ctv.ca. At
2: Parts of northeastern Florida are already feeling the effects of Tropical Storm Nicole. Flooding has started in downtown St. Augustine with water coming over the seawall earlier today. Residents have been warned more water is on the way and Nicole could strengthen into a hurricane by the time it hits.
1: Makes you appreciate the weather we're getting.
2: It's been dry for so many days now. We have another dry day on the way, yes. but alas, it will come to an end. It will come
6: to an end, courtesy of the remnants of mm-hmm. Tropical Storm Nicole. So that system itself is going to track its way toward us here in southern Ontario. It's going to make for a pretty soggy second half of the day on Friday. But ahead of that, we are talking sunshine, we're talking temperatures in the teens, and then Believe it or not, over the weekend, we could be talking about flurries. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Let's begin, though, with Tropical Storm Nicole. This is what it looks like on the satellite and radar imagery. Now just starting to pull away from the northeastern Bahamas, the outer bands already impacting coastal Florida. You'll recall that earlier in the season, Florida was hit by Hurricane Ian. It was on the west side of uh, the peninsula, but this one... Uh, Many of these communities uh, along the east shoreline were also impacted by Ian. So some of the major concerns this time around include further coastal erosion, some localized flooding, uh, dangerous waves and then of course the heavy rain which could lead to flooding. Hurricane warnings are in effect for many areas. This storm is expected to make landfall sometime early tomorrow morning. Notice how it veers and then moves into Georgia. It's going to impact the Carolinas and then there we are in the lower Great Lakes. At this point by the time it reaches us it's going to be a post-tropical low so it's not going to have the same tropical characteristics but it's still could potentially pack a punch for us here at home. We're also monitoring a Colorado low to our north and this one's bringing snow and uh, freezing rain as well as ice to northern sections of our province. It will then merge with uh, what's left of Nicole and impact Atlantic Canada over the weekend. For us tomorrow, a mostly sunny day. Heading into Friday, this is where we see the cloud cover first roll in. I do think we'll remain dry in the GTA, most parts of it anyway, for Remembrance Day ceremony. so that's the good news. Here's what uh, the storm is going to look like as it makes its way up toward us here in the lower great lakes so this is uh going to bring us some heavy rain it It appears at this point for Friday afternoon, Friday night, clearing out for Saturday, but then look what happens behind it. The winds kick in and over the Great Lakes, we could see some lake effect flurries. Tonight's low is forecast to be about 10 degrees. Tomorrow, 17 is what we're calling for. It's looking like a very nice day in many different parts of southern, southwestern Ontario, even eastern sections of the province. Let's take you through, though, the seven-day forecast and show you the change that's on the way. There's the rain for Friday, temperature around 9 degrees for 7, Saturday, daytime high, only five for Sunday with a few flurries. Look at those overnight lows, below freezing for perhaps the first time this season. Much more typical of November. That's your look at the forecast, Nathan. Over to you. All
1: right. Thank you, Lindsay. Also tonight is part of the fabric of Canadian TV, the source of so many teen memories as it evolved over the decades. After the break, the story of Degrassi from the woman who helped pioneer the beloved show. A scientific first to tell you about, a Canadian toddler is the first person with a rare and sometimes fatal genetic disorder to be treated before they were born.
2: Here's Avis Favreau with the exclusive details of Isla's story.
18: You're okay? At just 16 months, Isla is about to make a name for herself around the world. She has a rare and deadly genetic disease called Pompeii, but is now healthy and thriving the first child ever treated for this inherited disease while still inside her mother.
14: What it's done for us in our own case is, you know, no doubt in my mind a miracle.
18: Her parents, ahid and Sobia, watched as two daughters with Pompe disease died early in life. It destroys normal heart and muscle function. So when she became pregnant again, tests revealed this baby had the disease too. Meanwhile, researchers in California were about to start a study infusing an enzyme or chemical that's missing in these children while still developing in the womb. Doctors in Ottawa asked if they could try it on the Canadian couple with Speed Essential.
16: There's damage being done even before a baby's born and that damage can be irreversible.
18: So in the three months before her birth, doctors gave Isla six infusions of the enzyme through her umbilical cord vein. Now, Canadian and American scientists report that Isla was born normal and is growing with no symptoms at all.
14: For me, it was when she laughed the first time because that's something that our other two daughters, like, could
15: not do. She's growing and developing, uh, talking mischievous uh, in her own way. Uh, And, uh, yeah, she's doing great.
18: Her case shows that it is possible to diagnose and treat children with genetic disorders before birth, with the study now expanding to include families from around the world. It represents a new chapter in fetal therapy, one in which we can potentially uh, treat and potentially even cure later on uh, fetuses with many genetic diseases. Isla still gets weekly infusions to keep the symptoms at bay,
3: We don't know what's going to happen in the future. All I hope for is that she has a happy, healthy, and fulfilling life.
18: Avis Favreau, CTV News, Toronto. If you grew up in the late 70s,
1: 80s, or 2000s, for that matter, you'll be familiar with a show with the name Degrassi in the title.
2: Now its co-creator and executive producer has written a book about how it came to be. And CTV's Andrea Case spent some time with Linda Schuyler and joins us now with her story. I'm sure a lot of people would love to know.
17: Absolutely. Nathan and Michelle, good evening. Yes, a pioneer in independent production, Linda Schuyler has helped charter, of course, young people all over the world and continue to do tune in and if you watch any of the Degrassi series you know why it's so compelling. Linda Schuyler is taking a trip down memory lane only the lane is a street called Degrassi and into a park named for her late friend and fellow teacher Bruce Mackay.
11: He ended up finding the book in his library that I bought the rights to that became the pilot of The Kids of Degrassi Street.
17: In the 1970s, as a junior high school teacher, she went back to school, studied media training, then ditched her full-time job and became an independent television producer.
11: And I felt my teenagers didn't have a voice. They, there wasn't anything on television that really spoke to them. Her
17: first endeavor, Ida makes a movie based on a children's book suggested to her by Mackay. was shot inside his house on Degrassi and its core values became the kids of Degrassi, later Degrassi Junior High, High and Next Generation.
11: We're not afraid of any subject matter, but we don't want to sensationalize it, but at the same time we don't want to trivialize it. We don't want to say, oh, it's going to go away. We want to really meet those kids where they are, talk about it and You know our core message is to reassure young people that they're not alone
17: the decisions weren't always popular an interracial kiss left an american pastor outraged
11: i got the worst hate mail that i've ever had in my life from somebody telling me that that was absolutely wrong and what right did i think i had to put something like that on television Uh, did you respond to the letter no What's the point? Forty
17: years later, during the
11: pandemic, she wrote her
17: memoir, The Mother of All Degrassi. (laughs) Open about her infertility, Skylar had
11: some issues with the proposed title. It caused a very interesting discussion about what is a mother and what is mothering. And um, so it's been an interesting journey for me to to own that title, to own that I have been sort of a, a Surrogate mom to a lot of these kids in the show, and uh, and it feels good.
17: Mm. Although she's not producing the show anymore, she wants to continue to connect to teenagers and keep them talking. That's why she's donating a portion of the proceeds from her memoir to Kids Help Phone. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Have a good night.
14: Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better?
1: Nobody.
0: Wear a mask when you, you can. You're, uh, you know you're within risk, um, and and get your get your flu shot. Get get a back shot too.
1: Updating our top stories, the premier is urging Ontarians to wear masks in high risk settings, but remain mum on the possibility of renewed mandates. Health experts say it's time to revisit the policy amid a spike in respiratory viruses. Why would a government agency do this? Well, my theory is that they want to punish ATU members
15: financially for going out on strike.
2: The union representing striking GO Transit workers will meet with Metrolinx tomorrow. The sides were set to resume talks on Friday, but the date was pushed up after the union accused the transit agency of delaying negotiations.
16: We were proud to showcase for the FIFA representatives uh, what we could do, what we had to offer as a FIFA 2026 host city, and we were proud
1: to be selected. The World Cup trophy visited Toronto today, ahead of the tournament, which kicks off in Qatar on November 20th. The trophy is visiting all 32 nations which have qualified for the 2022 tournament. The 2026 tournament will be jointly hosted by Canada, the US and Mexico.
2: In business, more tough times for the tech sector. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg.
13: Mark Zuckerberg apologized today. The CEO of Facebook's Meta said he increased investments in the company over the course of the pandemic, convinced the good times for tech and e-commerce would continue to roll. But he says he got it wrong. Now Meta is trying to cut costs by letting go of 13% of its workforce. The company says it has also scaled back budgets, reduced perks and shrunk its real estate footprint. As interest rates rise along with the possibility of a recession the pressure is on tech companies to make money rather than fuel growth with credit. Last week ride hailing company Lyft said it was also cutting 13% of its workforce. And at Twitter after Elon Musk took over the company he slashed half of all positions. Musk says Twitter is losing $4 million a day. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading down about half a cent to a little under 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil fell $3 to roughly $85 U.S. a barrel and Western Canadian Select also fell almost $4 to about $56 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX lost more than 300 points to end the day at 19,344.25. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNN Bloomberg.
1: Just ahead yellow ribbons return to the streets of Bowmanville ahead of Remembrance Day, a labor of love for a family forever grieving their son's sacrifice.
9: All right, Allman. Coming up, health experts have reopened a debate on mask mandates amid rising respiratory illnesses. Plus, negotiations will resume tomorrow between Metrolinks and striking transit workers. Toronto's number one news tonight at 1130.
2: In the lead up to Remembrance Day, if you were to take a drive to Bowmanville, east of Toronto, you'd no doubt notice yellow ribbons dotting the streetscape.
1: A family's heartwarming tribute to a son and a soldier whose sacrifice will never be forgotten.
16: For 15 years now, the Caswells have made it their mission to never forget and to remind the community of the sacrifice made by their son and all who serve.
5: It's a statement uh, to know that they're remembered.
16: Every November, Christine Caswell makes these yellow ribbons to honour her fallen stepson, a poignant symbol that represents support for the troops. Grief never goes away. Um, it, It stays in your heart. The family placing the ribbons around their community in Bowmanville, including the cenotaph at Town Hall and outside the local Royal Canadian Legion branch.
5: I always think of Daryl when I'm making these and, and as long as I can breathe, I will continue to make these.
16: Trooper Darryl Caswell served with the Royal Canadian Dragoons in Afghanistan. He was killed in June 2007 when his combat patrol vehicle struck a roadside bomb. Caswell was 25 years old.
15: We have a hole in our hearts So never heal. It, it just brings it close to home every Remembrance Day.
16: Paul Caswell says his son was proud to serve with the Canadian Armed Forces.
15: He always wanted to be a soldier from the time growing up. He wanted to help others. Even when he went to Afghanistan, he, he was there in the hopes of uh, making life better for the women and children.
16: Along with the ribbons, the Caswells make a personalized wreath every year that they take with them on a nearly 400-kilometer drive to Beechwood Cemetery in Ottawa and lay it at their son's grave. A final resting place among Commonwealth soldiers who served during the First and Second World Wars that Caswell had requested to his parents before being deployed.
15: He said he'd be honored if he was buried in the military cemetery in Ottawa, Beechwood. There are times where we wish he was closer to home, but... We respect his wishes.
16: Along the main road in Bowmanville, a banner with
15: Caswell's picture hangs that reads, "Less We Forget,
16: a sacrifice his family is committed to honouring and sharing with the community each and every year.
15: We always want to be there to keep his name, name alive. He'll never be forgotten.
16: Mike Walker, CTV News.
2: And as we look ahead to Remembrance Day Friday, some mild temperatures for this time of year.
6: It's going to be a cloudy start to the day. It will be mild, and then eventually some rain moves in in the afternoon, but I'm hopeful we will remain dry for those Remembrance Day ceremonies. Tomorrow is looking like a dry day. Lots of sunshine. Here's a look at your morning start. Temperature already at around 11 degrees by 8 a.m. And then, dare I say, tomorrow's a pretty good day to consider putting up your Christmas lights, if that's something you do, because the weather becomes a little bit different going forward. We have the heavy rain late day Friday, and then the weekend is going to be colder. It's going to be windy. We have a chance of flurries. Look how chilly it's going to be by next Tuesday. A forecast daytime high of only 2 degrees. That's the 7-day forecast, Nathan and Michelle. Mm,
2: that will feel cold. Thank you, Lindsay. And be sure to join Omar Satchadina tonight at 11 for CTV National News followed by Zarida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30.
1: In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
2: For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV. Thank you for watching and have a great night.
1: Good night.